In the house today, welcome to our online family as well. We're so glad that you are with us. You heard Pastor Steve mention, but we do want to uh, continue in our prayers toward our founding pastor, Pastor Tom Whidden and Miss Betty. Joy, we love you guys. Um, you can see all of the updates on Joy's Facebook page, but Pastor Tom is not doing well and, and uh, physically, but uh, they, they covet your prayers and they thank you so much for, for your prayers. If you do want to send any cards, uh, to our founding pastor. You can just send them to the church here at Multiply Church. You can get our address off of our website and we'll make sure to forward those to the Widden family. If you will take your copy of God's Word and turn to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis. We are going to be in chapter 11 at verse 31. Online fam, our, bro- our broadcast location, because we have people joining us from different states and all around the world. Our broadcast Location is in Concord, North Carolina. We are in the heart of NASCAR country. Come on, how many NASCAR fans out there? Where are my NASCAR fans at? We are, we are literally five miles north of the Charlotte Motor Speedway, which is really the Concord Motor Speedway. We know, we know, we, we know. And I know there's another Concord Motor Speedway down on 601, but we'll take them both. We, we know you can call it whatever you want. You can, you can brand it whatever you want, but we know that that's in Concord. And then we're so, so we're, our, our broadcast location is five miles north of the Charlotte Motor Speedway. And then another five miles, we got the statue of Dale, uh, on the Dale Trail. Uh, come on, where are my, where are my Earnhardt fans out? I know you're, know you're out there. So we are in the, the heart of NASCAR country. One of the things that fascinates me about NASCAR it are, are the pit stops. I just think, I think the pit stops are amazing that they can get, I get, fr- I can't get, I can't fill up my, my gas tank at QT and, and the, you know, and get a snack. And like in the time that they do, they do everything. They're changing tires and windshield and refueling. And I, I think the average is like 13 seconds, something like 13 seconds. We had the, the chance as a staff to go over to, uh, to go over to Joe Gibbs racing uh, about a year ago. And it was just, it was amazing. We toured like the, the, the floor and the area and the technology that goes into that. And, and do you know that they don't paint the cars anymore? Did you know that? They re- there's a, there's a wrap because it saves it a couple of pounds and every ounce, every pound. Well, I I say that every car except one, there's one car that still paints their car. Any, Any guesses? DuPont. DuPont still paints their car because that would be, we, we, call, we would call that inconsistent messaging is what we would call that. And, and so, but these pit stops. So you have Extremely talented drivers, you have the technology, you have the, the, but, but, but the race, sometimes the race is won and lost in, in the pit stop. It's, it's those seconds. And, and what, what I want to do is I want to preach you in and out of the pit stop. Because if you have a pit stop go wrong, it can mess up every, everything else. This is, if you go to Genesis chapter 11. So a lot of us are familiar, or you may be familiar with the story of Abraham. If you're not, no worries. But Abraham uh, it was this man that was called by God. He is the father of Israel, the father of this entire nation. And so Abraham and his wife, Sarah. But I want to back up one generation. I want to back up one generation, and I want to read you something about Abraham's father in Genesis eleven thirty one. It says that one day Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarai, and his grandson Lot, 
and moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans, and, and he was headed for the land of Canaan. But they stopped and settled at Haran. He was headed for Canaan. But he stopped and settled at Haran. Can I ask you just a couple of questions today? Where were you headed? Where were you headed? What promise of God was in you? What call of God was in you? What destiny? What what dream? What vision did he put in your heart? Where were you headed? And then the question on the heels of that question is just, where did you stop and settle? Where were you headed and where did you stop and and, and settle? And I want to preach this to you today. I want to preach don't stop, can't stop, won't stop. Come on, say say don't stop. Say won't stop. Say can't stop. So these are some things that can cause us to stop and settle. Because Terah was headed for Canaan, but he stopped and settled at Haran. Number one is this. We can stop and settle when we press pause and forget to press play. I don't know if you've ever done that physically, literally. You were watching a movie. You pressed pause. You went into the kitchen to get a snack. The kids wanted something. The dryer went off. You started folding clothes. Something happened. Somebody came to visit. And like five hours later, you realized, oh, I never even finished the movie. And so you gave, gave up on it. You pressed pause, but you forgot to press play. I was watching, my wife and I were watching Shark Tank uh, the other night. And there was a gentleman on there by the name of Joshua Ethnert. So Joshua and his family immigrated to the United States when he was 13 years old to Ithaca, New York. And as a 13-year-old immigrant, he said he grew up very poor and he wasn't able to get haircuts as much as he wanted to get a haircut. And so he went into the bathroom with clippers and butchered any parents have this experience? Your daughter comes out of the bathroom. What did you just do? Any of you have that experience? You tried to give yourself Floby. Remember the Floby? Where's the Floby at? I think they should bring back the Floby. And so these self haircuts. And he thought, I, I, I gotta, I gotta do better at this. And so he invented something that would be called later. It would be called the cut buddy. And it was just an edger, and it would allow him to get get the straight lines and, and get those lines without butchering his haircut. And so he invented that when he was 15 years old. Fast forward, Joshua is now 25. He's moving a treadmill from one room of his house into another room of the house, and it wouldn't fit through the doorway. So he took the door, he took the door off of the hinges, and he and his girlfriend at the time moved the treadmill in. And his girlfriend said, said are you going to put the, the door back on the hinges? And Joshua just said, I'll, I'll get to it later. And she said, you never finish what you start. You never finish what you start. Uh, Wives, I set you up for nudges into your husband because there are a few projects around the house. Anyway, I'll move on quickly from that. But but, But Joshua said this. Joshua said that resonated a lot more deeply than just a door. He started looking back over his life and said, I I don't. So he went back to this invention as a 15-year-old kid, and he got that thing out, launched the cut buddy. One year later, this was in 2016, $700,000 worth of sales. That's not a bad first year, right? Can, Can I just preach this to somebody today? Maybe you didn't stop on purpose. Maybe life just happened. Kids happened. Marriage happened. A move happened. Some unpacked boxes in the garage. Like, I don't know what happened, but did you press pause in an area that God put something inside of you that today is the day to press play again on that? He was headed for Canaan, but he stopped and 
and said, I'm telling you, this world is full of people that have stopped and settled and I'm preaching you out of stopped and settled today. The second thing is this, things that can cause us to stop and settle. We stop and settle when we allow a flat tire to cause us to abandon the entire vehicle. I don't know what your dream car will be. Maybe you've been saving up, saving up, and finally you get that Cadillac, Escalade, leather seats, sunroof, and those seats, by the way, are both heated and cooled, so bring it on. Bring it on 95 degrees in July or 25 in January. You're fine as long as you're riding in style, but you get this car, you're excited, it's your dream car, and you're driving down the street, driving down Highway 29 two weeks after you bought it, and it starts to rattle a little bit and you pull over to the side of the road and you get out and you realize that there is a flat tire and you don't know how to fix a flat tire. So you throw your shoulders up, you shrug your shoulders and you start walking. Can, can, I, just, can I just encourage you that just because, just because you don't know how to fix a flat tire does not mean that you should abandon the car. Can I preach this to somebody? I know your marriage has a flat tire, but it's not time to walk away from the marriage. I, I know you're struggling parenting that teenager, but it's not time to walk away. Maybe you don't know how to fix a flat, but somebody knows how to fix a flat. You're around people. There's a, there's something called YouTube, how to fix a flat. Like we'll get you, we'll get you there. Don't abandon the promise of God in your life just because you had a flat tire along the way. Let's go all the way to Canaan. What can stop us, cause us to stop and settle? We stop and settle when we confuse God's not yet for a no. Those those are two different things. Those are two different answers. Sometimes God will tell you not yet, but that doesn't necessarily mean no forever. My son is 14 years old. If he were to walk into uh, the kitchen this afternoon and say, Dad, would you toss me the keys to your truck? I'm going over to visit Nana. I would probably say no. Actually, I would definitely say no in case there are any. In case DSS, if you're watching, if any law enforcement are watching, I definitely would say no. Why? why? Because, Kate, driving in the driveway is different than driving on, on the road. Right, uh, and even though his destination would be good, even though he w- he didn't have any anything in his heart to like, I'm going someplace bad. It would be it would be no. Now, fast forward 20 years, if I walked into his house at 34 and I said, "Oh, Cade, where are you going?" <laughs> and if he hops on his bicycle at 34 to go visit his nana. I would probably also say, Cade, what are you doing? Oh, well, Dad, I asked to drive the car, and you said no. Well, Cade, we need to have a talk, buddy, because I, I said no, but what I, what I meant was not yet. Can I tell you that in your life there are promises of God that are still good for your life? They're still good for your family. They're still good for your situation. That a lot of times God's no just meant this. I want you to grow into it. I want you to grow into it. Can I preach this to somebody today? Ask again. Go ahead and ask again. You can go ahead and ask again. Some of those promises for the healing, go ahead and ask again. For the restored relationship, go ahead and ask again. For the new job, go ahead and ask again. Just because God said not yet, you've grown. You've grown a lot this past year. You've grown more than you thought you grew. God's no sometimes is a not yet. 
What can cause us to stop and settle? Number four, we stop and settle when we thought God's plan would be easy and that everyone would cheer us on. If you know that's not true, say a good amen. Here's the, the thing that you have to understand about the route from the, that uh, Terah would have taken from Ur uh, to Haran and then down to Canaan. So the, the route was divided up into two segments, and the, the first route was along the, the uh, Euphrates River. And so what probably happened to Terah uh, is, is what often happens to us. So God calls us to do something, and we, we build the little boat or the, the barge or the raft or whatever, and we, we jump onto that boat, and we're excited. God's, call, God's called me into this ministry. God's called me to, to serve in this area. God's called me to lead a group. God's called me to, to what, whatever it is, whatever it is. And we jump, in, we jump in that boat, and we're like, God, this is a beautiful spring day. The sun is on my face. The wind is at my back. I've got my boat, and I'm ready to sail downstream. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit taps you on the shoulder and says something like this not that way and you say what do you mean and God said my prompt my promise is upstream have you found that to be true a lot of times see a lot of times we get excited about the promises of God and we jump in the river and we just expect to coast we're just going to coast downstream coast down river when when a lot of times in our lives achieving the thing that God has called you to means this it means rowing upstream paddling upstream can i give you a definition of following Jesus in 2021 paddling upstream going against culture i know Everybody's headed this way. You got to go this way. I know everybody's thinking this. You got to think this. I know everybody's saying this. You got to. We have got to keep going. Church, we cannot allow ourselves to be swept downstream by a culture that is getting further and further away from God. I got to preach an oar into your hands because we got to go upstream. We got it. Following Jesus, following Jesus has never been easy. It's never been about just jumping in and going with the flow. It's going against the culture, the current of culture. Number five, things in our lives that can cause us to stop and settle. We stop and settle when we don't make the changes that are necessary to take new land. So I told you that the journey was in two parts. So from Ur until to Haran was, was a river route. But in Haran, you had to get out of the river, and the journey from Haran to Canaan was by land. What I feel like God wants somebody to know today is that what got you to Haran won't get you to Canaan. And so what happens is that we can become attached to, to the boat. And, and hear me, it was a good boat. It was a godly boat. It was a wonderful boat. I mean, Tara, Tara was not a poor man. Tara had servants. Tara, Tara would have had, had, had flocks and all of these different things. And so I don't know what kind of barges or, or, or boat uh, structures that they would have built to go up the Euphrates River. And that was a wonderful vehicle. It was a wonderful method to get them to the first part of the journey. But I wonder, I wonder if one of the reasons why Terah settled in Haran is because he just couldn't abandon those boats. 
Oh, I've got a lot of, do you hear me? I got a lot of money invested in those boats. I got a lot of time. I got a, go, I got a lot of good memories on those boats. But what we have to do is we have to remember that even though the vehicle may change, it's the same God and the same promise. And so the goal was never for you to build a boat. The goal was to get you into the promised land. And so what we have to do, I've got to preach. I feel like, I feel like preaching this this to pastors all across America right now because what's happening in so many churches is they thought, they thought the goal was the boat. And what's happening in America is that 80% of churches are plateaued and declining because we have churches that, that, that thought that methods, they thought that methods were the thing. And they don't want to abandon these methods. They were good methods. They were wonderful methods. But sometimes we have to abandon those methods in order to jump on the new vehicle. What vehicle do you want to be on, Pastor? I want to be on whatever, wherever God is blessing, wherever God is moving, wherever God is going. That's the vehicle that I want to be on because the goal is not the vehicle. The goal is the destination. Whatever, whatever you're doing, Lord. Things that can cause us to stop and settle. We stop and settle when our pit stop turns into our comfort zone. Did uh, anybody anybody watch this past Daytona 500? A couple of you watched the past Daytona 500. So this was a this was an interesting race, right? Because it wasn't wasn't very long into the race. Uh, you had a wreck, and then rain, and then a downpour, and it turns into like a five-hour delay. Did you see the pictures? of a couple of the drivers that their wives tweeted out what they were doing during this delay. Did you see these NASCAR drivers? So what they did is they, they left the pit stop and they went to, the, they went to Bojangles or the drive-thru. They did, and so this was, this was during the race. And, and I'm, not, I'm, not mad, I'm not mad at my guy for getting like a Chicken Supremes or a, a, a number one with lemonade dur- during the race. That's a fine pit stop during a, during a rain delay. But what would have happened, what would have happened if the flag would have been waved again and they would have still been sitting in their car in, their drive, in the drive-thru with their legs kicked up? Y'all, 2020 was like the ultimate pit stop, right? It was like... 15 days to slow the spread. Pause. Here's what I'm worried about. What I'm a little bit concerned about is we have people that press pause spiritually. I'm telling you, the flag's still waving. The flag's still waving. Like, we gotta go. There's still more ministry to be done. There's still lost people to be reached. And I'm okay with hitting pause for a season, but hitting pause for a season doesn't mean that we hit pause forever. We gotta go. Flag's waving. Flag's waving. Let's go. Let's get back on the track. Let's get back towards our purpose. Let's get back towards our destiny. What can cause us to stop and settle? We stop and settle when we allow what we see to cause us to forget what we heard. I'm going to use a little bit of spiritual imagination here, but I imagine that when Terah was in Ur, because why, why would he leave Ur? I think he was doing fine in Ur, but probably in, in his tent, in his prayer closet, at a, a moment of worship, he had his eyes closed, and, and he heard that whisper, that still, small voice, that nudge, if you will, of the Holy Spirit. Tell Terah, I've got my promises for you are in Canaan, and I want you to go all the way to Canaan. And so he was probably excited in that moment of the promise, and 
and, and rallying his kids and, and, and getting all of his possessions together and building those boats and, and getting ready. And, and they got on there and, and they went to Haran. And, and I don't know what he saw in Haran. I don't know what he saw in Haran. Maybe he saw an obstacle in Haran. Maybe he saw something good in Haran. Maybe he thought, oh, this is, maybe he thought Haran was good enough. Maybe he thought Haran was comfortable. Maybe he thought, I don't know what he saw in Haran. But I think what happened was Terah saw something in Haran that forgot, that caused him to forget what he had heard. We, we see this in, we see this at different places in scripture. And the people that pressed on and the people that took the ultimate promises of God were the people that didn't stop and settle, that didn't stop and settle, that didn't allow what they saw to cause them to forget what they heard. See, David saw a giant, but he had heard God say, who will defy the armies of the Lord most high? Moses saw a Red Sea, but he had heard God say, you will cross on dry land. Joshua saw a wall, but he had heard God say, Jericho was theirs. Jesus saw a cross, but he heard God say that souls would be set free. I don't know what you've seen. I don't know what you've seen. Been a lot of things this past year. That with our physical eyes, they're scary to look at. But can I just ask you to close your eyes right now? And can I ask you to just lean into the voice of the Spirit and be, be reminded, be reminded not about what you see, but about what God said, about what you heard. Faith comes by hearing. Faith does not come by seeing. Faith comes by hearing. In fact, the very things, I declare this over your life, that the very things that you see can be an antithesis of your faith. And so the Lord would encourage you right now to close your eyes and to take your physical eyes off of what you see in the natural and to lean into the spirit because the spirit operates, first of all, in sound. And you have to lean into what the spirit is saying before you can see what the spirit is doing. And God is reminding somebody right now of a promise. God is reminding somebody right now of a calling. God is reminding somebody right now of a relationship that he wants to restore. God is reminding somebody right now. He's reminding you about what you heard and he's encouraging you and he's saying, don't let what you see deter you from what you've heard. Would you open your eyes back up again? I was, I was pulling up under the, under the underpass in my, in my Chevy pickup this morning, Pastor, Pastor Steve, uh, Pastor Steve suffered through 18 years with a Dodge. I'm, so, I'm sorry to all my, all my Dodge people out there, but he suffered for 18 years in Heron under, under a Dodge. Uh, well, and he didn't, get to, he didn't get to Canaan, but he, at least he's a little better. I saw, saw him pull up in a Ford. Uh, and where, my, where are my Chevy people at? Wave at me. Where are my Ford people at? Where are my Dodge people? Where are my Toyota people? Where, if I, listen, I'm just going to warn you right now. If your pastor sees you pull up in one of those Tesla trucks, that is not a truck. That is not a truck. You can go, you can go up north and drive that, but you're not driving a Tesla truck in North Carolina, right? We, we're just, we're good. We're good. I don't. I don't know whether you're a Dodge person or a Toyota person or 
what you are. But I was, I was thinking yesterday, I was thinking none of those, none of those are the toughest truck. You know what the toughest truck is? Toughest truck is a Tonka truck. Come on, how many of you grew up playing in the sandbox with a Tonka truck? The real metal. You couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't destroy those. You couldn't, even if you tried to set those on fire, that's hypothetical. Who would, have, who would ever do But like, you, could, you couldn't destroy those. <laughs> even, even if the devil in the form of your little sister tried to take your Tonka truck and hide it and bury it in the sand and you went out the next day into the sandbox and and saw just that little bit of yellow you didn't think oh my goodness my tonka truck is destroyed i guess i'll never will never the tonka truck will never achieve its destiny you didn't think that at all you didn't give it a second thought all you did was reach down pulled your tonka truck out of the sandbox shake the sand off and set it once again on a firm foundation i know that what you you're going through right now feels like it's burying you. I know it feels overwhelming, but can I remind you that you serve a God that has a different perspective and operates in a different level of strength, that your God can reach down and pick you up and pull you out of whatever mess, out of whatever has caused you to get stuck and place your feet on a firm foundation. That's what's going to get you to your destiny. It's not pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. It's not thinking I can do this. It's not having positive thoughts. It's the grace of Jesus that called you to your promised land to begin with is reminding you that his promise is still good. Your Isaac is still good. Your Isaac is still good. I need somebody to hear this. I need somebody to lift a hand to close your eyes right now and just to receive this, that your Isaac is still good. I know the promise came when you were 75 and it's been 25 years later, like Abraham was 99 years old, but the promise of Isaac is still good in your life and even though you pressed pause in Haran your destination and your destiny is Canaan and that's why I'm telling you I'm telling you that the spirit is telling you don't stop don't stop don't stop don't stop you can't stop you can't stop because the promises of God are too good and too great in your life there's still lost people that need Jesus you can't stop and I just want you to respond in your spirit I won't stop Jesus I won't stop I won't stop if you need that grace to place your feet back on solid ground to get you going in the right direction again I just want you to whisper a prayer to the Lord and say say I need your grace I need your grace ask him for that Canaan grace God I want Canaan grace I want Canaan grace it's time change Sunday y'all you know sometimes see let's, let's, let's do this I got one more thing I got one more thing open, open your eyes again one more thing this daylight, daylight savings stuff, I think, you know, get rid of it. Make it always daylight savings. But like the way, but it shows us something, right? That the way that we measure time can be an invention of man. What do we do? We just decided, we just decided, oh, it's not seven o'clock anymore, it's eight o'clock. We just decided that. You've been measuring your promise by man's time. And God says, measure it by my time. Measure it by my time. His time is at a higher level. Your promise is still good. 
Your pro- the gifts and the call of God are without repentance. You didn't waste time. He's going to redeem your time in Jesus' name. Now, one more time with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're within the sound of my voice and you say, Pastor, I have not yet made a decision to serve Jesus. I don't know if heaven would be my home. It's as simple as praying a prayer and asking Jesus to forgive your sins. Not by works, but by grace are ye saved, lest any man should boast. And so as I pray this out loud, if that's you, I want you to pray something like this in your heart. Say, Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I know that I'm a sinner, but I come to the cross today and I receive your grace. Come into my heart and help me to live wide awake to the love of God and fully alive to your promises in Jesus' name. And I need all the people that are going all the way to Canaan to give the Lord one more hand clap of praise in the place today.